If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. All right, in this episode of Mind Pump, uh, we talk about a very popular form of training. HIT training. High-intensity interval training. Now, this type of training stormed the fitness scene in the early 2000s because studies showed that it burned as much or more body fat than doing more types of workouts. In other words, if you did a 60-minute workout and you compared it to a 20- or 30-minute HIT-type workout, the 20- or 30-minute HIT-type workout burned just as much body fat. Some studies showed even more body fat. It also had uh, less of the muscle loss effects of other types of cardio. In fact, some studies showed that it built some muscle. So it's just really just exploded all over the scene. But of course, as with everything in fitness, they overdid it and did it wrong. And uh, HIT has its own risks, and sometimes the risks outweigh the benefits. So in this episode, we talk all about HIT training, how it started, our experience with it, the benefits, the detriments. We talked about the four problems and mistakes that we see with most HIT programs. So we think you're going to enjoy this episode. Now, right along, it's perfect timing because to go along with this episode, we have a 50% off discount of our MAPS HIT program. This is a high-intensity interval training program that we wrote and we created, and it's 50% off all month long. Here's how you get the discount. Go to mapshit.com, that's M-A-P-S-H-I-I-T, and use the code HIT50, H-I-I-T-5-0, no space for the discount. I want to address um, high-intensity interval training. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. time to bring it up, too. January, everybody's trying to burn body fat, work out. Well, it's been a growing trend for how long would you say? <clears throat> when, when Do you guys remember when it came? When, it, when did it I hit? Do. When did it get really popular? Like, it's been like 10 years or so? Maybe? More than that. More than longer? That. I yeah. remember early 2000s, I want to say 2001, 2002. Uh, I don't know the exact year or whatever, but I remember what happened. It was like a, a shockwave heard throughout the the fitness space. Because was it, was it a specific set? Because I, I agree with you. It was a, I, I remember around oh two oh three ish around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I'd already been at twenty four for a year or two, and I do remember quoting studies myself. Yeah, to present to it's like telling people they should do it. Well, yeah. yeah. Not only that, we started to kind of scale back our hour sessions to to thirty minutes, thinking that like we could just do a hit workout, you know, and give the maximal amount uh, of effort in that shorter amount of time. That's right. No, it was, and I believe NASM might have been the been the one to disperse the information or the. Oh, studies. you think so? It might have been. I don't think it was them. I don't because think it, it went. I remember it went company wide, and here the reason why it went. Like gangbusters for for listeners who who may be thinking why why was it such a big deal? Up until this point, the only type of cardio that you recommended or that anybody did was steady state cardio. If I mm-hmm. said cardio, that's what it was. It was yeah. get on elliptical, get, get on, on a, a treadmill, treadmill, get on a bike, thirty minutes to an hour, steady state, burn calories, sweat, yeah. high intensity Stay in the orange area. That's it. High intensity interval training wasn't done by anybody except for athletes. Athletes were the only people doing intervals, and it was to boost their performance. Oh. There was nothing about fat burning, or it was never used on. Do you guys remember ever doing hit training on any client before that period of time? No, no, not before Just that. Athletes. That's what I'm wondering is is what did it? And I don't think it was NASM. Now, was it also around the same time that Tabata training was popular? Too? Tabata got yeah. popular later, and I believe it was through CrossFit. 
Because CrossFit was throwing in. Oh no no no! Tabata was before that. Was yeah, it? Oh was. yeah yeah yeah, definitely really? before okay. that. I remember doing Tabata stuff before CrossFit became a thing. So that okay. was definitely before CrossFit. So f- for the listeners who may not know what HIT training is, so HIT is spelled. Uh, it's an acronym. So it's spelled H I I T, and it 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 represents uh, high intensity interval training. So this type of of exercise or workout is uh, it consists of short intense bouts of you know Movement. near near maximal intensity so it's high intense followed by longer bouts of lower intensity type of uh, of work so um to use cardio as an example cuz hit training and, and I'm sure we'll get into this there's a way to do it that is far more effective than others but let's say you were going to just do a basic hit cardio session normal cardio you get on the bike and you'd go for 30 minutes hit training you would sprint yeah for like 30 seconds and then you would you would cruise for like a minute and a half or something like that. And then you'd sprint for thirty seconds. And then you cruise for yeah. like so a the and a half. the Tabata style. You do the twenty seconds of maximal effort, and then the ten second rest. So it's these very short, you know, uh, bursts of energy, and then rest, and then short. So it was like that. That was a whole new thing that kind of took over mm-hmm. for a bit. Well, we have to talk about. Uh, why this got big? Like, yes. wh- what are the benefits of this? Why did it get big, and why did everyone start using it? I mean, one uh, time, right? Yes, I mean, it, it, you could get an, an effective workout in. Yeah, we've always been trying to solve time is as the, the you know the prevention of what you know getting you started. Right, it was a big selling point. And to your point, Sal, about uh, NASM and twenty four and so that. Remember, twenty four fitness came out with the Express Zone. That's right, and that and was, it was all revolved around this type of training. right. It was a circuit based type of training, mm-hmm. which is this is what is similar. The idea is that you know you can do. And you're using the analogy of uh, how you would use it on cardio, but it's also primarily used with with fitness, like with lifting weights. If you, you know? do a good, if you do it properly, absolutely. I even think the hit craze uh, drove the curves franchise because remember curves sure. at the time, and it's not even popular now. But back then, it was the fastest growing health club company in the world. And there were these small locations with these kind of pneumatic equipment that was set up in a circle. It was women's only. And they modeled it after HIT as well. And the reason why it got so popular so fast was studies came out that showed that a short, high-intensity interval training session was at least equivalent in terms of calorie burn and fat burn to a much longer steady-state cardio session. Now, some studies even showed a little bit of a additional fat burning benefit. Right, that yeah. was superior. Yeah, so it's like, and they also showed that because of the explosiveness of it, that you could actually get some burning, uh, building muscle from it. Well, that's and that's the thing I was just going to say. So they sh- these studies showed, oh, in a fifteen minute hit session, you can burn as much body fat as you can in a forty minute traditional cardio session. Or some studies showed you might even burn a little bit more body fat. Then, as the studies got longer and they tracked people for longer periods of time, they found that the fat-burning effect actually grew over time when applied properly. Uh, That's one caveat, by the way, throughout this whole discussion, needs to be applied properly. But they found that there was even more of an additional or a better fat-burning response as participants continued to do this because it's an indirect fat-burning effect because HIT does not have nearly the muscle-losing potential effect that regular steady-state cardio does. And the reason for this is HIT is much closer to resistance training than traditional uh, steady-state cardio is or steady-state type exercises. It's it's much more similar. It's like sprinting versus long-distance running. If you ever – this is a great visual. I've used this example for, since, for 20 years. If you want to see what resistance training does versus 
just low intensity, long duration type workouts do. Look at the difference between a sprinter and a long distance runner. Both of their bodies have adapted to be, become at, just as good as they possibly can be at their respective sports. Right. Sprinter, bigger muscles, well, shredded. utilizing more of that fast twitch response. Yes. And so there's two different muscle fiber types. And so, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, use that to your advantage, uh, as far as like an athlete's concerned, there's a lot of sports that it's not the, these are all short bursts. Like football was all short bursts, you mm -hmm. know, basketball. I mean, maybe there's, there's definitely a, uh, an endurance component to that, but like as far as actual effort, there's maximal effort is, is short burst is short lived. And so this, this helped to kind of model around, you know, uh, more of a, a applicable type of of you know like like a cardio type of format for an athlete yeah, and now it also and this this part a lot of people don't talk about it also fed into the very alluring yes uh you know mentality of the harder you train the better yeah uh it fed right into that because hit training is intense uh by nature you you're going you know close to all out and so trainers loved it because they're like yeah i get to yeah. push my clients gas super, them out yeah gas them out so when you combine the fact that it studies showed that it burned as much body fat with less time or potentially more body fat, especially over time, it caused a it didn't cause people to lose muscle in the same way that steady state would. Um, in some cases, maybe even built muscle um, in some individuals, although that effect is super minimal. Um, and the fact that it's intense and trainers love it, there's no wonder that it exploded. Every trainer in, in the every gym was like, Oh, this is perfect. I can train my client for Far less, I could hammer the crap out of them, which feeds my ego. Um, and the studies say it's more effective. And like anything in fitness, when it sweeps the whole industry, everything in fitness it boils down to the individual. There are some detriments uh, to doing hit. It's definitely not for everybody. That's yeah. that's definitely for sure. There's it's, not there's well, not just some detriments. I I think there's uh, several, and I think that it's a, a growing problem. Uh, because of its popularity and because of its widespread over the last decade plus, you get you got to think of here we are in January, right? Mm -hmm. We have a, an onslaught of new people that are beginners that are coming in the gym and you still have trainers that are promoting this message or that are training clients this way. And if I were to, you know, generally speak about the people that should or should not be doing hit, um, a majority of beginners probably have no business in that way of yeah. training. No, and right. we should explain why. Um, it's really the intensity factor. Now, mm. it's not necessarily, although this plays a role, but it's not necessarily that beginners shouldn't push themselves. There are cases when that's totally fine, but here's the problem. Here's why oftentimes I don't have beginners push themselves. The first thing to fly out the window when somebody, especially a beginner, is pushing their bodies to fatigue is technique and form. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're listening right now and you don't work out that often, go for a very slow jog and try and run properly. Now run as hard as you can. Watch what happens. Your body's going to move in ways that are not optimal. So one of the detriments of HIT training is a much higher rate of potential injury. Yeah. I could take almost anybody and have them walk at a low to moderate intensity, and I can pretty much guarantee they're not going to hurt themselves. I could also take 
a bunch of average people off the street, tell them to sprint, even if it's for 10 seconds, right. and guarantee you that a much higher rate of them are going to hurt Plus, themselves. yeah, the work isn't there yet. Like, uh, you know, in terms of like the joints and their health, and then now we're, we're exaggerating the amount of forces that you have to, you know, account for by adding in plyometric type exercises, by adding these exercises that are more, have these shearing forces that you have to be able to stabilize. And, you know, if, if the prerequisite work isn't there, it's, it's going to be damaging. Well, right. to your point, Justin, about how uh, this also, why it was a very appealing to a lot of people was that it, it models a lot of the ways that athletes would train. And and this is kind of my, my pet peeve with even a lot of the, the group mm. training classes out there is they've modeled some things after how we train athletes. But the irony is, is you're not putting the prerequisites in of priming the body beforehand and then also the recovery stuff that you should be doing yes. like an athlete does. Right. Yeah. You know, an athlete doesn't None just of that gets talked about. A, exactly. An athlete doesn't go out and just train hardcore like an athlete. An athlete does things that are prerequisites, priming, getting their body ready for that type of training. And then they also do things afterwards to recover from that mm -hmm. high intensive type of training. Right. And what we've done is we've completely just not talked about those two areas of it, and we're just pitching you the the meat of it, which is the the exercise portion of it that is more marketable. Yeah, to it's everybody. more alluring. Like it, it, we idolize these athletes to begin with because we watch them on TV. You know their bodies look in you know like they're impeccable shape. Uh, you know they're performing these feats that we just are in awe of. Like we want to be like them. Yeah. So like, what are they doing uh, exercise wise? Let's let's do that too. Yeah, and think about this. You're a gym. And one of the big problems that you encounter, especially during the busy months of the year, is how do I cram more people in without having to add more equipment? And a great solution is to tell people to work out less, less free, less uh, for less time and harder. So when this got popular, all of a sudden you saw gyms being like, "Oh, cool, no lines for cardio, yeah. twelve minute, fifteen minute limit, high intensity interval training," or classes became shorter, or like you said, Justin, personal training sessions. Were shortened, and yeah. then the presentation was, "Hey, studies actually show if we train really hard with intervals, dude, it's even evolved outside of the whole fitness sphere and the gym sphere to where like you're talking about biohackers now, and you're talking about oh, like gosh. this whole community that's it's a big it's a big uh, you know source of people that are following these people's advice, and and their whole thing is to be able to hack ways to get you success, you know, the quickest, and so you're seeing this now with like Silicon Valley executives and people that aren't don't have any fit fitness, you know, background to begin with, like promoting these ideas because they want to get it in the most efficient time possible. Yeah. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And, and HIIT training is a tool like any other tool. If used power properly, it's amazing. If it's used improperly, it's going to cause a disaster. I remember, I think it, who was it? Was it Dave Asprey that was talking about how he works yeah, out 15 minute workout, 15 minutes. It's like so all out my whole body and yeah. I don't need to do anything else because of it. And I'm sitting there like, Oh gosh, right. it's, so, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Because if you apply it wrong, which you know, he, the way he's promoting it definitely um, is wrong. Um, people can definitely hurt themselves. Here's the other thing. Even if your form is right, technique is right. You're doing everything properly. It's still not for everybody. There are definitely situations where high intensity just isn't good for people. If you're overstressed, not getting good sleep, nutrition is is not good. Um, your your let's say your hormones are out of whack, or you're fighting an illness, or you just have terrible recovery. Intensity could be a terrible thing, and it's uh, in in some cases I've had clients where I said you're not to work out hard at all because we're going to sit you backwards. Well, mm -hmm. I re I remember uh, two years ago when 
we wrote uh, a hit program. I remember we sat down and it was something that we were very hesitant to do because um, uh, we know that. We know that a lot of it's not for everybody. And so what we set out to do that, okay, if we're going to put something out there into the ether that is something that we're concerned that some people will abuse or not do, we need to address what we think are the major problems with it yeah. so that if somebody is going to go through it, that, that, that they're at least covering those. And I'd like to talk in, in an organized manner uh, those four that we had listed and, and starting off with you know making sure that you're uh, priming properly. Yes, yeah. I have yet to see. Uh, I've seen some hit programs out there that include a warm up, but I have yet to see any hit program out there besides the one we created that actually has priming. Yeah. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between a warm up and priming? Now, number one, uh, a, a warm up is better than no warm up, um, but warming up doesn't do nearly uh, what any what, what priming can do in terms of setting the body up. At the very, very minimum, a priming or warm-up session should help prevent injury. That's the very absolute minimum thing it should do. But there's so much more that it can do. It can encourage proper movement patterns. It can help prevent you from developing or strengthening muscle imbalances and movement pattern issues. And then as far as injury prevention is concerned, Here's the deal. If I do a workout and Adam does a workout and both of us do the exact same workout, there are different considerations for him and how he may hurt himself versus me and how I may hurt myself. And priming sessions are much more specific. They train the body in ways to set the workout up so that you minimize your potential injuries. And it's just a whole different level. And HIIT training being as intense as it is, uh, it, it you should do a very good priming session beforehand to minimize injury and maximize the, the effects. Well, and, and back to, again, Justin's great point about this being so attractive by to athletes and, and, and that type of training. And the things that you don't see is, you know, all these professional athletes that you may see on Instagram post videos of this explosive type training, what you don't see is the coach that they have that is spending time doing all their corrective boring work where they're laying on a foam rail or they're doing PNF stretching with them or they're getting their body properly primed to go do the cool shit that makes Instagram, mm -hmm. right? The the videos of them doing something explosive over a box or doing something that's amazing, jumping out of a pool, like all these cool things that go viral and that everybody loves to watch. But what they, what they don't understand is that, you know, 90% of those athletes unless they have a, a poor coach and, and this does happen you do see professional athletes, uh, junior high coaches right <laughs> hire their hire their friends that aren't great coaches yeah. trainers but for the most part most of these guys are savvy and girls are savvy enough to hire somebody who knows what they're doing and that that what they're doing with them on those off days or before they go into those workouts is extremely important to those workouts being very effective and then safe for them to like yeah. what you're not saying. to mention like uh, the programmed active recovery days that uh, you know will go follow either in between or you know throughout the week that is programmed and that is planned on and it's not just something that you know like afterwards i'm just going to go get you know a massage or i'll lay on the foam roller to to sort of band-aid whatever issues i had you know from like hammering my body uh, throughout the week doing hit workouts the entire week like they, they just get excessive with it because more is always better in this world now all workouts all workouts this is across the board i don't care what kind of workout you do all workouts are better when you move better. So that's number one. Mobility is important for everything. Number two, 
the more intense the workout is, the more important it becomes. The more important it becomes to uh, reduce the risk of injury because the harder a workout is, the higher the potential. I'm not saying you're going to get hurt. I'm just saying right. the potential for risk of injury the is much higher. The get exposed. Yes, because if I go, again, if I walk, my risk of injury is very low versus if I take off and sprint as hard as possible. Same thing uh, with your workout. So mobility and priming are important no matter what, but they're extremely important if you're going to do a hard, advanced workout. And forget the injury for a second. So I think I've made that case. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But consider this. We've all done this. We've all had this happen to us where – We've had those workouts where we just it takes us half the workout to get into the groove. It takes yeah. us half the workout to feel the movements properly. My shoulders a little stiff, my knees are a little off. This doesn't feel right on my back. I can't lift as much not because I'm not strong, but it just doesn't feel as solid. I don't feel the movement isn't feeling like butter, right? And it takes you half the workout to get in. Priming takes care of that. Like how would you like to jump into your workout and the first set feels great everything feels phenomenal that do you think that's going to maximize your results and your progress absolutely do you think not doing that could potentially take away from your progress absolutely every workout has a potential for how effective it can be and if we were to give it a number and say like let's say on a scale of 1 to 10 this workout there's a there's a potential for 10 or a potential for 1 for how effective it's going to be priming ensures proper priming ensures that you're much closer to the 10 and not to the one. So it's extremely important. High intensity interval training absolutely requires proper priming. Yeah, you know, and it also, even if you don't get injured, it it's it strengthens poor movement patterns, period, right? Like mm-hmm. one of the most common things, like we're sitting here having this conversation and I'm, I'm re- remembering back of being a, a fitness manager and seeing trainers do this. And like, uh, this is like nails on the chalkboard for me. And, and and I guarantee someone listening right now, if you're in a gym, you could probably even find somebody. This is happening right now because it's so common. You do a you do an assessment with a client, and I do a squat assessment. It's one of the most standard things that almost every trainer does with a client before you train them. Common thing, right? I have this uh, lady. She's you know 40 years old, a little overweight. She wants to lose weight. I'm a new trainer who was all pro hit, and I love explosive training because it burns lots of calories and it's hard for them. I'm doing a squat assessment with her. She squats down and her her knees cave in. You know, super common. Feet flatten, knees cave in. And then I get out on the floor and I decide to put jump boxes in her hit routine. Now, what you what you have to understand is if you ask a, a person to move and like a squat, a basic move with no weight loaded on them whatsoever and they're slowly controlling going down and they have breakdown in that in that movement, meaning their knees collapse or feet flatten, like I'm saying. And then you go ask them to go do something explosive that requires that same movement, squatting down and jumping up onto something. You're crazy to think that they're going to be able to mechanically address that while also trying to do something explosively for multiple repetitions. Yeah, and not yeah. only that, She's but not it's not set up for success. And not only that, but you actually uh, make that poor movement pattern stronger. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, you don't want to. Even if you don't get injury right away, you're just making something else really worse. You're, you're just you're you're continuing to strengthen that poor movement pattern groove, which at the very least will prevent that person or yourself from reaching your full potential at the very least. What's more likely to happen is you're going to strengthen this poor recruitment pattern until a big injury 
hits you. Well, or, or even more so. Uh, and this is why, like, people think injury, like, we, we say injury and you think acute, right? Like, oh, torn ACL or she's going to end up. chronic. Right. She, chronic pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at the bare minimum, you're going to get that from that. Right. If, you're, if your knees are collapsing in all the time when you squat down and then you go do jump boxes, you know, and her knees are folding in all the time, like, I, I may not tear her MCL, mm-hmm. you know, or I may not roll her ankle, but I guarantee she's going to be feeling, she's going to be feeling, she's going to eat shins on the box and fall. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Or just have chronic knee or hip pain. Yep. You know, she's just going to, she, but not know why. You know, I'm training with my trainer and I'm working out all the time. Why not? Why do I now feel like I have bursitis in my hips or why is my my knee feel all inflamed all the time? You know, and then the trainer foam rolls it and then goes right back into doing the same shit again. Your joints have a a, a have a have a potential uh, lifespan, right? They have a lifespan of use and abuse, right? That lifespan gets way higher when the joint is moving optimally. It gets way shorter when it's not. So somebody with a poor recruitment pattern, they may start feeling knee pain, you know, before they hit the age of 45. I got bad knees now. They, you, the knees move properly and the hips move properly, the ankles move properly, everything's done properly, and you're still working out and doing it, you know, uh, again, appropriately and properly. Now your joint lifespan is till the day you die. Right. Now you're 90 and, yeah, I don't have any joint pain. In fact, they're, they're stronger than ever because – I've moved them in proper ways. And because high-intensity interval training, intensity is in that acronym because it's, it's, it's characterized by intensity, it's extremely important to do yeah. proper priming. So that's why I'm happy you made that the first one, Adam, because uh, 100%. Like if you're going to do HIT training, you got to do priming yeah. properly, 100%. The second thing that I, I think is a big problem that I see with HIT training, and you know, it made me remember it uh, when you're saying jump boxes, is uh, they're just – Either A, they have no programming, or B, it's crappy programming. Yeah. Now, when I say programming, um, you know, if you don't know what that means, I mean just the design of the workout. So as trainers and coaches, our, part of our job when we work with people is to design a workout. And workouts are not designed haphazardly. We don't just slap exercises together, nor do we just put exercises in there that target certain body parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of HIT programs, if not, if not all of them, that I've ever seen, take programming and it means nothing. All the all the only thing that they consider yeah, what's is, hard and how can I slap all these together in a workout? That's it. Like how can we do thirty second sprint and how can we do a minute of something easier? Put something in there that's hard. Put something in there that's easier. That's our programming, and voila, we're done. Right. And that is just crap. Which That's pretty much, I mean, the, the goal from what I've seen the most is just to, how can we get them to get to that fatigue state and then keep that going, uh, doing things in the fatigue state, which turns into a hot, sloppy mess. Right. I mean, and let's be honest. I'll tell you right now, 100%, something that does not belong in high-intensity interval training as is traditionally done are explosive movements. They just don't belong. Don't put them in, in, in these type of workouts. Now, why? Explosive movements are meant to be done explosively and not to fatigue at all. Now, what is always included in everybody's HIT program? Okay. Explosive movements. Mm-hmm. It's like the number one. I can almost always guarantee I'm going to see somebody doing jump boxes or jumping over a bench or a medicine ball or throwing something in the air or whatever. And again, it's picked because it's hard. That's the worst possible thing you can do in a high-intensity interval training state because you're just you're doing cardio explosively which is a terrible terrible idea in terms of of injury and and just in terms of progress and there and there's a there's a small percentage of the population where that makes sense but you're talking about the one percenters oh yeah Mm -hmm. very small Uh, yeah you're you're talking about the the extreme extreme athlete 
that you are trying to uh, challenge them in that way. So, and but they normally have the mental discipline and control of that, and then that, and they know that going into it. It's like, hey, I am trying to push you to those those limits of the body breaking down, and your goal is to actually try and think about maintaining incredible form while also doing that. It's just a lot for the average person. Well, and yeah, and and to to somewhat uh, counter that just a little bit in terms of like finding the composure like if you have the ability and you have the skill set to be able to jump but then under control like you kind of find where that balance is where i feel like okay now i'm under a state of fatigue and then this is the amount of rest that i need in between like you have to be able to measure that personally to see you know where it gets away from you no so, no that's the instruction aspect of it right and it's never instructed that way it's, it's never always, it's never coached like no that. it's all a bunch of stuff strung uh, <laughs> together so and now why is programming even important Programming is the difference between a terrible, ineffective workout and one that is brilliantly effective. Literally, the same period of time, a 30-minute poorly programmed workout will not produce half the results of a, of a well-programmed workout. Not only that, but the injury risk is through the roof with the poor, poorly programmed workout and is far, far less with the well-programmed pr- pr- uh, workout in terms of longevity of results. Poorly programmed workouts may produce short-term results, but terrible typically at long-term results. A well-programmed workout takes into account how your body progresses and how to get the body to continue to respond and react and how to continue to progress. Programming when it comes to workouts is everything, and unfortunately, HIIT training has very little of it. In fact, most people's HIIT training uh, revolves around either a bunch of random exercises or a piece of cardio equipment. Mm-hmm. In my experience, the best hit training when done properly is done with certain resistance training exercises being put together because you get more of that muscle building benefit. You get more of that fat burning benefit, that that long-term fat burning benefit that hit can provide because of the muscle preserving, muscle building effects. Right. And, and you mentioned something earlier, the, you know, to give examples of like smart programming is, you know, I'm not going to do something that's fatigue based, like a sprint on a treadmill, and then go ask someone to do like a clean. Yeah. You know, oh. To go do a to do something fatiguing, and then to do something with which is this is Justin's biggest bone that he has to pick with CrossFit, and yeah. why it drives him so crazy is that a lot of the programming in there is like this, where you have something fatigue based, and then you ask someone to do something extremely com- complex if you were rested, yeah, complex for a majority, super, super high skill, complex if you were athletic, complex if you were somebody with good mechanics already. That's already, and then you throw in the fact that you're going to fatigue them. That's where this is a problem. So. An example uh, of good programming with HIT is like if you're going to do something complex at all, it's the the start of something, and then as as you fatigue, the movements become easier, like a bicep curl or things that ha- are that there's less risk with you being injured because we we're taking into account that you're fatigued after doing that. So you just did a sprint on a treadmill. I don't want you to do something complex like a squat or a deadlift. I want you to do something like a bicep curl right. or something that is less risky. Right. And because it's intense, you you may be building some strength and endurance. That means you should also approach your HIIT training with some balance. So if I string together you know, five different uh, high-intensity interval training exercises, but all of them focus on the wrong like, – let's say they all focus in one plane or I'm only doing pushing movements, yeah. I am neglecting – another side of my body, which can cause muscle imbalances. So HIIT training, good program HIIT training is quite balanced, not just in body parts, not just that you're going to work chest and back and shoulders and, and legs and arms, but you're also looking at different movements. Are we strengthening 
the you know the, the the frontal plane? Are we are we strengthening the sagittal plane? Are we involving some twisting? All these movements to develop balance throughout this whole workout, not just about burning uh, lots of calories. Um, the next one is form. This is a big one for me. I uh-huh. feel like hit training among all forms of, of, of training. Form is the it's like the it's on the bottom. Yeah, they just don't look at it, which is crazy to me. And this is what again what drives me the most crazy because it, it's almost like you've established through these other modalities how important form is. Like the, this is where like if form breaks down, you could get injured, whatever. But for some reason, it's it's just promoted out there that you just got to go as hard as you can, whatever your you know you tell your body to do. You know, like you see people flopping on the ground, you see people you know. <laughs> rolling out of these positions like crazy stuff happening because they're trying so hard to squeeze out that that last bit of maximal output and uh, at this level it's it's even more paramount to be able to you know uh, regain composure which is really like if you think of it more in terms of like I'm going to I'm going to push my body to its limits but now you have to think you know in contrast to that how can I then regain composure the quickest that's what an athlete does mm. if I was just like to to pour my entire energy out there on the field like every single play and then just like melt into nothing like I would be worthless yeah how many times have you guys seen trainers run hit classes and they do the different exercises and the demonstration is like, and over here you do this, over here you do this, here, go, do yeah. as many as you can. Yeah. Form out the window. Right. Nobody yeah. focuses on form. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. This is also why um, we tend to recommend uh, the rest and the interval part uh, different, right? Because there's such an individual variance on yeah. what recovery time looks like for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I I don't have great cardiovascular endurance right now. Uh, if you were to put me next to somebody who is in great athletic shape and cardio shape, our rest periods in a hit interval training thing is going to be completely different. Yeah. I'm going to need to wait probably a good 30 seconds longer to allow myself to fully recover before I go out explosive again. And that's why I have a problem with programming that will show, and this kind of goes in both form and programming, a problem with programs that give you just times that yes. say one minute you do this, 30 seconds you do this, one minute. Well, okay, I, I could take one client through a minute of intense training and it barely even phases them and they only need 15 to 30 seconds rest before they do it again. Then I could take somebody else yeah, and that is like a completely different response. Completely. This is the same thing I noticed even like if we bring up something like a Tabata or you know what are, what other methods are out there in terms of like here's the time signature, here's the rest period and it's like standardized. It, like unfortunately that does not work. You know like if you're bringing anybody is going to have a different type of uh, recovery rate uh, in, in front of me and so to be able to then program that you have to have some flexibility there and allow the individual to then assess like how can I do I feel like I'm ready to then you know regain uh, what I was doing previous to that and maintain that that form was this is this is an area of our business too that I I always would struggle with because you know we when you do something that's to the masses you know, we always get feedback that because people want precise things. Yeah. Like, yeah. what am I supposed to rest for thirty seconds? It What's doesn't the say formula. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because you know, yeah, for you know, making it easier for us and business reasons to be nicer, just to say why, and then you know that's why everybody does it. Oh, one minute here, fifteen seconds there, and we just give the direct answer. But the reality is, we all know from all the people we've trained that 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 greatly varies. And a better way to do it is to explain to somebody that. 
when you rest, you need to re- you want that heart rate to come all the way back down before you go back at it again. Otherwise, you are you're just fatiguing yourself. And if you go right back into the interval, you can guarantee that the form and everything's going to be down because you didn't allow yourself to fully recover. You actually lose the you actually lose the benefits of hit training if you if you don't allow your body to in the recovery period of the of the you know at the interval. Remember, it's interval, right? So it's high intensity interval training. If you don't let your heart rate come down in that interval period, then really all you're doing is high intensity cardio and you're mm-hmm. not you're not you're not getting the benefits of the rest well, and intensity. You're going to adapt, right? And so you have to look at it as, you know, your recovery rate might be a little bit longer initially, but this is training. So if you're training properly and you're allowing your 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 heart rate to to fully recover, you know, you apply this again the next week, you'll be surprised at how you know, all of a sudden now your recovery rate, you can, you can get back at it because you feel like you've regained composure. Right, because again, if you don't have those intervals in there, now all you're doing is a higher, you know, intensity version it's of cardio. the cardio. Yeah. And now, 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 what's wrong with that? Well, we talked about the benefits at the beginning of the episode of high intensity interval training. So, if you want to reap those benefits, you got to do it the right way. Not doing it the right way by not allowing your heart rate to come back down. Well, now you're just you might as well do something else. It's uh, you're you're losing the potential benefits again. You're not using the tool. Uh, in the most effective way that the tool can be used. So it's really important to us. For example, when we wrote Maps Hit. That's how we designed it. Like we gotta, there's a little bit of a feeling out, and we know because from one person to the next, that number could be quite different. We also wrote it to where there's actually levels to where you scale up. So that's right. Knowing that okay, you know, here's something that's a little more general for most people, and then if you're more advanced, it can be longer. And we because know because there should be. We could yeah. add a little more volume. We could, you know, like shorten the amount of time for recovery. You know, there's ways to manipulate it so it challenges you more. But make sure that you know that's the level you are. Mm-hmm. Now the next thing, which I think is a problem with most workouts, is. They don't prioritize recovery at all. At, the, at, at most, the way most programs will prioritize recovery is they'll just tell you, this is your day off, or here's your two days off. These are your recovery days. Now, we know as trainers uh, who've been, again, working with people for decades, that there are more effective ways of recovering. Now, not doing anything and just resting, yes, that's considered a recovery day, but active recovery is far better working on mobility in between those hard workouts and including those types of things, your body recovers much better. Not only that, but as far as prioritizing recovery is concerned, with HIIT training, you need more recovery than you would with traditional forms of cardiovascular type training. You know, you could do steady state cardio on a daily basis, but you can't do high-intensity interval training that way. In fact, it's not a good idea. Yeah, the demand is day. much higher on the joints, and so let's consider the health of the joints. So we got to keep, you know, that 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 low intensity, moderate type, uh, you know, movement there in order to keep the health and maintain the functionality, uh, you know, of the joints. Because you are going to notice, you know, placing that kind of demand and and that kind of pressure there, you know, you will feel the aches, the pains. It'll all start to creep up real fast. Well, again, we're training like an athlete, uh, we should be recovering like an athlete too. You, know, yeah. you see, uh, anytime you see LeBron James or anybody post, uh, which it's popular now, they share their recovery protocol. Oh my should, God, a majority of the money that they spend on their is recovery. is recovery. Yeah, they did. They did actually did an article. Maybe Doug could pull that up. I'd be interested to hear what that what the number was. But I think you can look up how much did uh, LeBron James spend in uh, recovery 
tools and uh, over the over 2019 or yeah. with that. See if they have that up there. It's, it's like over a million. Right? It's yeah. It's a ton. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, a ton of money is invested in. Now, obviously, that's an extreme analogy. Is you're you're not an NBA professional player, but if you're going to be training uh, in modalities that yeah. are similar to professional athletes with this explode, which explosive training is like an athlete. You'd better damn well be taking care of at least somewhat addressing this uh, uh, applicable type of recovery for that type of training. And I, you know, this was I, of all the things that uh, we did in the hit program. Um, I was most proud of and excited about the flow sessions that we yes. the, in the flow days that we reco- uh, that we uh, included because of that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been, really it's been over a million dollars. Is it one point five million per year on recovery? Yep. But think about it, that's an investment for him. You know, that's a that's a solid investment because his body is. You know, obviously that's that's what's making him the money. Let's 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 preserve it. Let let's preserve the the high level of performance output that he has. In order to do that, you have to make sure that you know you're revisiting and making sure all the joints are working yeah, well, properly. To, to put it, give you an analogy, you know, it's like, it'd be like building a car that goes really fast and you have no steering wheel, no brakes. <laughs> you're, yeah. that's, you're not going to do very well in a car like that, right? So spending all your time and energy on how hard your workout is and spending no time and energy on any type of structured recovery. Again, you have structured workouts. Your recovery should be structured as well. Active recovery makes a huge difference. I remember when I put this together, probably over 10 years ago with myself and with my clients, what I used to do when I'd work out after hard workouts is I'd go and do nothing and think, okay, I'm going to sit here yeah. and let my body recover. And I'll never forget, at one point, I got into to cycling a little bit, um, just some mountain biking. And I remember after my heavy leg workouts, I'd get really sore. And usually what I would do is I would just sit up with my legs kicked up and think, let me recover. But I remember I had this mountain bike and I was kind of getting into it a little bit. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm just going to go easy. I'm going to go mountain bike ride, ride around or whatever. And I remember coming back and being like, wow, my legs feel way less sore. I wonder how they're going to feel tomorrow. I wonder if I'm going to get even more. The following day, I just felt so much better. And then my gains started going up in the gym because of the active recovery. I, I noticed this with clients as well. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember why I didn't do it either. And because I the recovery piece, I always thought of just, you know, injury prevention. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, you think you're invincible. So that's, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah. And, and I, I, like you, Sal, it was go as hard as I can, then rest, go hard as I can and rest. What I wish I understood back then uh, that I know now is how much it actually accelerates your results. Oh, huge. And I think if more people understood that, that, listen, I know this day, where we're telling you to do mobility drills and you're not like pouring sweat and you're not super sore afterwards of it. But if you, if I could tell you that that's going to put your results into hyperdrive, you would probably do it more. You would probably be more apt to do it where most people avoid it because they're like, ah, I'm young, I'm healthy. I don't have any injuries. I'll be okay. Instead of healing and repairing damage. Now you're adapting. It's a, it's a completely different type of an experience. And yeah, these flow sessions were great because it's, it's all the best mobility moves you could think of. And then, you know, on some of the days it's, it's strung together. So it's in a way they, they sort of interweave uh, together. So, it's like its own workout in a sense to, uh, you, you know, make it more interesting. And I, I don't know. I, th- I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said adaptation. Remember, the, the goal of any workout or one of the main goals of any workout is to, to, to get your body to change for the better, right? We want to get the body to, to, to either get stronger or build more endurance or 
burn body fat or, of course, even change our appearance for the positive. Now, all of those happen because the body is adapting to the stimulus or another word for the stim- for stimulus would be stress. So high-intensity interval training, just like other forms of exercise, is a stress on the body. And it sends a signal to the body. Now, the body has to repair and recover first, but we also want it to adapt. It's not just about... You know, it's not just about repairing the damage. It's also about preparing for further damage later on. The way the body prepares for further damage is by increasing its capacity. So then what happens is the same stress does not produce the same damage. And of course, this is why you end up working out harder or faster or you add weight because now your body can handle more. And this is how you keep continuing to move the dial. What got your body to adapt and progress today? Now you got to go a little harder next time to continue to do that. But if you don't prioritize recovery properly, well, what ends up happening, a lot of people get trapped mm-hmm. in this, is they just recover. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with recovering, but if you want to progress, you got to go beyond recovery. Mm-hmm. There's not just enough to get sore, soreness go away, go back and work out, and I'm exactly in the same space as I was last week. And then the next week, I'm exactly the same space. I recover every time, but I don't adapt. I don't progress. With with prioritizing recovery, doing it properly, it gets your body to pro- it helps the the adaptation process happen. Because remember, you sent the signal. Now let's set the stage for that signal to allow, or at least to promote adaptation uh, to to happen. So like with our with, when we created Maps Hit, it's like you have your hit workouts, but then you have your flow sessions in between, mm-hmm. which helps perfect marriage. promote adaptation, maximizes your progress and results. So the question I have for you then is. Do the risks outweigh the benefits? I think the benefits outweigh the risks, but there's a few uh, caveats here. There's a, there's, a, there's a little bit of fine print here. Uh, is it appropriate for you? So if you're a high-stress individual, not getting good sleep, if you have terrible mechanics, you're a total beginner, mm. probably not a good idea for you. you've always done this yeah. as your go-to. Probably not a good idea for you. So it's, it's A, it's got to be the right person. B, it has to be a good program. All hit programs are not created equal. You do a bad one, um, the risks are way higher than the benefits. If it's a good one, now the benefits uh, are outweigh the the risks. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, if look at your goals. If your goal is fat loss, um, which most people's goals are fat loss, especially people who do hit training, um, your nutrition probably has to be pretty good. It's pretty damn hard to erase a bad diet with a hard workout. Um, no matter what workout you do, uh, I'll tell you something right now. Burning calories is really hard work. Eating calories is a lot of fun and pretty damn easy. So, you know, those three, I would say those that's the fine print, right? Consider those three things. Um, and then hit training is probably a good idea. Yeah, this is like nitrous. I mean, this is this is definitely a tool that works. And I think that it has a very like small window. Mm. And, and I think that like the misconception out there is that this is a method that you're going to continue to keep, you know, hammering your body with. And I, I just I have to put that out there because I love it, it personally because, you know, I come from that athletic background. I come from the world of really like loving to just push my body to the limits. But now that, you know, I've had more wisdom in the way I train and all this, like I still go to it, but for a shorter window. It's the only program that we have a warning. That's true. It's the only one that we recommend to people that you get out of it, right? Most other, I've been asked many times before, someone ran MAPS Anabolic, they just ran Aesthetic, they loved it, they had phenomenal results. They said, hey, Adam, 
I loved it so much and I feel like I can improve more. Can I run it, run it right back again? Absolutely. It's totally fine to do that. HIT is one of the ones that we don't recommend people do that. We've in and out of that modality or that way of training. Um, and it is. It's because of uh, the risk factor. And then also the the ability of the body, the body's ability to adapt to that way of training. You don't want, you, you start, the, the results start to diminish after you've been doing that for a while. It's, so it's, the, the, all the studies that support how beneficial it is for burning fat, that you got to understand that the longer you've been doing that way of training, the, the, the smaller that number gets. Right. And now here's the, I mean, here's the bottom line. Uh, nothing burns body fat in a, as much body fat in a short period of time as HIT training. Nothing. It's by far, if we were to compare MAPS HIT to any other MAPS program in a four or five week period of time, it's going to burn the most body fat. It's just the most effective. It's probably why MAPS HIT's one of the top selling programs and, pro, and also because of the allure of it, right? Short period of time. Burn maximum body fat, but again, you have to be the right person for it. Um, don't do it wrong, but yeah, it's uh, there's nothing that'll burn body fat faster in that short period of time. But when you're done with it, just like Adam says, don't do it again and think you're going to repeat that same those same effects every five weeks by or every six weeks by doing the program over and over. It doesn't work that way. Once you do it, then you move into a, a more traditional workout, and after another couple months or so. Then you can go and inject uh, yourself back into. And then that type once you're an advanced lifter, you've utilized it, you understand the principles behind it. How, I don't know how you guys. This is how I use HIT training today. Um, I don't uh, like run our HIT program straight for you know four to six weeks straight. What I do is I, I uh, uh, intermittently add those types of workouts when it makes sense for me. When I'm on the you only go, have thirty minutes. I only have thirty minutes. Like yeah. wow, I haven't done a HIT style of training in months. This will be, and I only have 30 minutes to work out today. I'm going to pull from that tool belt. I'm going to use that tool today, get great benefits, and then I'm going to move back into my traditional training. So uh, that's how I coach people to use it. Once you understand the principles, you've gone through a program like that before, then that's how I think a veteran should use a tool like this is you intermittently interject it into your your training protocol. Totally agree. Now, MAPS hit, uh, of course, that's the program that we created um, around the principles of interval training, but, you know... Priming and recoveries included. It's excellent programming. Exercise demos are in the program, so it's complete. So if you got the program, you got everything laid out in front of you. It's fifty percent off all month long. We're doing this for the month of January because we know a lot of people. The number one goal is fat loss. People are motivated by faster results. You guys asked for it, so we're trying to deliver. It's fifty percent off. Here's how you get your discount. Go to mapshit.com. That's m-a-p-s-h-i-i-t.com, uh, and use the code hit. 50 for the discount. That's H-I-I-T-5-0, no space. Again, that's for the discount. Hit it. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. 
If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support. And until next time, this is Mind Pump.